two months later. At this point, I had written about 20 stories about my daily interactions on an anonymous blog. Mostly out of frustration, but I was also having fun. I had never taken writing seriously, but it felt right. Auditions were essentially non-existent due to my schedule, so it proved to be my only artistic outlet. I had maybe three or four followers and a couple of dozen views on each post, mostly from my friends. Nothing major. After the initial taxi driver incident, I tweeted his medallion number with a tiny blurb from the blog post that I had written about it. It got over 50 retweets, and the next morning, I woke up to over a thousand new clicks on the blog. People were commenting and sharing. There were even a few tweets from local hospitality employees attempting to figure out which hotel I was working in. Latching onto this, I kept writing every day. My audience grew and grew and grew. Acting had officially taken a back seat to this newfound addiction. My new art. I was a fucking writer. And as people began to refer to me, simply the doorman. Chris Russell Films presents The Doorman. My five years as the anonymous hero and villain of the New York City hotel industry. Written and performed by me, the guy formerly known as The Doorman. p.m., which used to be the most frustrating, hellish hour, has now become my favorite time of day. I've taken a liking to just yelling at fucking cabbies, taking out my aggression on them, totally taking the bait, fighting. It starts to become cathartic. All the guests that stiff me, all the people that treat me like shit, all the fucking assholes that don't say thank you when they hold the door open for them, I take all of that energy and I just lay it on every cabbie that tries to come by and steal an airport fare. A cabbie pulls up as I try to get a family down to Penn Station. He sees the luggage, and he starts yelling at them. JFK! JFK! LaGuardia! JFK! His off-duty light is on, and I tell him to keep moving. He looks past me. I'm not talking to you! Oh, okay. Do you want to suck my cock, then? He's taken aback. What? Do you want to suck my cock? I will take out my cock for you to suck. Do you want to suck my cock? I ask. Just a psychotic glimmer in my eyes. What are you talking about? What do you mean what am I talking about? I'm gonna take out my penis and you will suck it in front of all these fucking people. I wasn't even thinking. I just said things like this. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, doorman. Where are you going? JFK? LaGuardia? JFK? Buddy, you're not listening to me. I'm going to take out my cock, and you'll just suck it. It'll be fun, he screams. No, I'll suck your pussy. I look at the guest, and I say, why would you want to get in a car with this man? And the cabbie looks up at me, completely dumbfounded, and says, you're a sick motherfucker, you know that? And drives off. Stuff like that would happen every day, and I got such a kick out of it. So we have this elderly woman who works at the hotel, Miss Joan. She's a secretary to the GM and has been working in the hotel for over 50 years. A few months prior, she fell while on a heater in Atlantic City and broke her hip. 
Now, when she leaves at 5.30 p.m. every day, one doorman has to go upstairs with the wheelchair and bring her downstairs while the other guy tries to hail her a taxi. She can only manage to get into the older cabs that are lowered to the ground. The old school Crown Victoria cabs, or Crown Vicks as we call them. Many of the drivers over the years transitioned to hybrids and minivans, so getting her one was always an extravaganza. Once the doorman catches one, he holds the door open so the driver can't speed off. The other guy gets her and walks her down into the taxi. I eventually grew to resent this task, and her. Over the years, she would get impatient more quickly, pissing and moaning and yelling things like, why am I still waiting during rush hour while we missed out on tips and cars to the airport? As her health deteriorated, it became more difficult to get her into the taxi, so we literally had to pick her up and slide her inside like a hospital orderly. Now most drivers will be patient once they see her come out. Sometimes they'll complain and we'll tell them to shut up. Every once in a while, some asshole civilian will try to steal it, which causes an all-out war. Now it's rush hour, and since it's Christmas time, the city is extra chaotic, and there's an added demand for an available taxi. We've spent the entire month of December fighting off an even larger wave of entitled assholes from stealing a taxi from an elderly woman. It's funny how severely the words, I'm holding this taxi for an old lady, can anger somebody in a hurry to go somewhere. I said this once to a frantic man in an expensive suit, and he replied, I'm sorry that you work here while flipping me the bird. To avoid such a confrontation, I have to open the door, sit in the back seat with my feet out, and tell the driver to not go anywhere while the other doorman rushes Miss Joni over from the sidewalk. To someone passing by, it looks like I'm taking a dump in the back seat of the cab. After a few minutes, a taxi with a gangly driver pulls up. Perfect. I signal for the other doorman to start wheeling her over as I sit down in the back seat. How long, he says. Just a second. JFK? LaGuardia? No, man. He gets frustrated. This pisses me off. How long, man? As long as it takes. Shut the fuck up, you're not going anywhere. The cabbie must have misinterpreted my words as, floor it please, because he did just that. Without asking me to get out, without any warning at all, he peels out with both of my feet hanging out the open door, narrowly missing the idle shuttle bus parked in front of us. What the fuck, I yell, as I frantically try to grab something to hang on to. You know those action movies where the hero is dangling on a moving train with one arm and dismantling a bomb with the other? It's bullshit. Fuck that noise. The only thing you could focus on when your life is in the hands of a mad savage is, well, I didn't accomplish anything in this life. Better luck next time. I clutch onto the strap above the door and hang on for dear life as the cabbie blows through a yellow light. I'm able to pull myself into the cab and slam the door. I lean up to him. Pull this fucking car over right fucking now. He gets about a half a block down and does just that. I get out, leave the door open, and take a step back. Let's go. Get out. Right now. I've completely lost all inhibitions. I'm going to fight him right there on the street. Fuck my job. Fuck my freedom. At this moment, I'm willing to sacrifice all of that in exchange for landing a couple of blows to his fucking jaw. Fuck you, man. My hands are vibrating. I've never been this ready or this justified for a physical altercation. Get the fuck out of the car right fucking now. Fuck you, man. The door is open. He wants no part of it. Come on, asshole. 
Get the fuck out of the car and let's fucking settle this like men. I can't believe those words have just exited my mouth. It occurs to me that this is the first time in my life that I'm calling somebody out to fight in this way. This is what kids in high school do. I'm 28 years old, and he's not afraid of me. He's smiling with his yellow buck teeth. This pisses me off even more. Let's fucking go, man. We're not in front of the fucking hotel. Get the fuck out. Go ahead. My window is open, motherfucker. My adrenaline eases just a little bit. Luckily, my brain is telling me to refrain from hitting him while he's defenseless in the cab. I want him to get out of the car and take a swing at me, which is clearly not going to happen. So I opt to let him have it, verbally. She's fucking 87 years old. You couldn't wait one fucking minute. Who the fuck are you picking up that's so fucking important, huh? You fucking animal. Get out of the fucking car. He's taken aback by my screaming, yet continues to smile. I still want to fight him. Keep yelling at me, motherfucker. Yeah, I'll fucking yell at you. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. This is a huge mistake. Now that the yelling has commenced, a crowd is formed, eager to seek a fight. People start pulling their phones out. No, fuck you. My window is open, motherfucker. His smile is cheesy and smarmy. I wish I had a stick of dynamite to drop into his lap. He's not getting out of the car, and I'm beginning to realize that this altercation is having zero effect on him. Fuck it. I slam the back door shut as hard as I can. He looks at me as if he's won. No fucking way. You will not beat me, motherfucker. So, in a gravely immature move, I cock my leg back and drive the bottom of my foot into his back door with everything that I've got. A stomp with such conviction that it warranted a this is Sparta before the windup. Startled, the cheesy grin disappears from his face. He leans his head out to inspect the damage. Nothing. I played soccer for seven years, spend all day using my legs to carry 100-pound suitcases up the stairs, and I can't even make a little fucking dent in his stupid taxi. Only a black footprint. He looks at me, flashes his rotten teeth, and speeds off. He screams, Nice kick, pussy! as he disappears down the street. I turned and see a crowd that's formed, still with their phones out filming the ordeal. A lot of them realize that nothing more is going to happen and move on with their night. I walk through them without making eye contact with anyone. I'm too embarrassed. Once again, I let my emotions get the best of me and ended up looking like a barbaric asshole. If I treated the situation with a level head, I could have done any of the following things. Called the cops. Now, if I just calmly sat with the door open, I could have called the police and had him locked up. He intentionally sped off with me hanging out of the taxi. Now, I'm no cop or lawyer, but that sounds like a serious fucking crime to me. If I'm sitting in a different position, my legs get caught under the wheel, and I'm likely in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Or dead. I could have reported his medallion. An incident like this would surely get his medallion suspended or revoked. But why can't I do any of this? Because I kicked his fucking car. Because I screamed at him and challenged him to a fight in front of a large crowd of people who filmed it because I didn't use my head. And in my rage, I didn't take down his medallion number. 
There are 13,000 taxis in New York City. Having said that, I can't begin to explain how icky I felt afterwards. In all my years of going to bars, working amongst men, I've never made a spectacle of calling somebody out to fight like that, and I really don't understand it. I remember watching guys stand outside nightclubs, screaming at the door, baiting someone to come outside for a brawl, and feeling embarrassed for them. That isn't me. Or have I become that guy? Have I become the dude with an inferiority complex, always looking to pounce on someone who's lower than me in the societal food chain? Have I become that insecure? I was having another bad day. It rained for most of the afternoon. People were being ultra dicks. And I seemed to have on at least 20 spritzes of gratuity repellent. The last straw was a guy at work that I couldn't stand, using his seniority to bump me for a day off that I really needed. About 20 minutes after that, we got into a heated argument about money. The amount? $3. I had every reason to be mad, because he skimmed $3 from a cash out that all the Bell staff are supposed to divide evenly, and I called him out. I was disgusted for two reasons. One. The principle that he thinks that I'm too dumb to know how much money I have coming to me. And two, I'm actually getting upset and arguing with someone over three fucking dollars. So when my break came at around 9.15pm, I was like a rabid animal being released into the wild. The last thing I said to my buddy, who relieved my post, was, I'd give anything to catch him in the locker room and knock his fucking block off. He shouldn't have let me go anywhere. Feeling down in the dumps pissed, I decide that it's time to stuff my face. I thought of the one thing that would make me feel better. Chipotle. I fucking love Chipotle. I don't know why I'm saying it like Chipotle, but it feels right. Seriously, there's no reason to not love Chipotle. And tonight was special. I was going to spring the extra 270 for guacamole because I deserve something nice for a change, goddammit. My anger begins to slowly fizzle out of me. The image of an eager, underpaid employee dumping globs of guac and sour cream onto a chicken burrito bowl was dancing in my head, and my average walking speed turns to about 9 miles an hour. When I get there, of course, there's a line out the fucking door. Now this little act of impatience would prove costly. Kismet, if you will. A couple hesitates and debates whether to lock down seats or wait in line. I don't have time for this shit, so I move ahead of them. I could feel their tension behind me. They were pissed off about being cut off but didn't want to start something, so they put their jackets on some seats and get in line behind me. In front of me, a taller man in his late 30s, handsome, chiseled, wearing a nice suit, thumbs through his Blackberry. Hello 2012. The line moves pretty swiftly until just before I get to where they take your order. Then. As if they were sent from the anus of hell, two fucking tourists, who have clearly never had Chipotle before, start this bullshit. Eh, uh, what is this? Beans. Eh, uh, what is this? Also beans. Eh, uh, what is this? Lettuce. Eh, uh, what is this? Cheese. Eh, uh, what is this? Rice. Eh, uh, what is this? A different colored rice. This goes on for about three minutes, which in fast food line waiting time translates to a seven hour bus ride sitting in between two people with B.O. 
The man in front of me and the hordes of hungry customers behind me are getting really fucking impatient. It sets a bad vibe through the whole joint. These fuckhead tourists eventually get two tacos with chicken and a pinch of mild salsa. Nothing else. In a tizzy, the man in front of me speed orders exactly what I'm getting. Chicken burrito bowl with everything and a healthy scoop of guac. Perfect. Behind him, I say, nice. He doesn't even acknowledge me. All right. I instruct the server to make exactly what she just made him to expedite the process. I hand the cashier my debit card and make a beeline for the drink stand to get my napkins and fork to go. Now the guy in front of me opts to stay, fills his drink, and places it on the tray. I take a glance at his food and am filled with excitement that after a quick sprint to the hotel, I would be greedily shoveling this in my pie hole like I had just been rescued from a three-year hostage situation. In my over-eagerness, I reach over the guy's cup that had just been filled. It's one of those situations where I could have waited one second, but I thought I had enough room to reach over where it wouldn't be rude. I misread how much space I actually have, and in turn, one of the buttons on my sleeve gets caught on the lid of his soda. I don't notice it right away, but when I do, it's too late. The lid of his drink flies off, and soda spills all over his food and onto the counter. Fuck. I immediately feel like a horse's ass. My first impulse is to grab a napkin and put it on the food, which I hesitate to do. I look at his face for a brief second. He's fucking pissed. No napkin wiping can reverse this damage, so I immediately offer to do the right thing. Ah, shit, sir, I'm so sorry. Let me... And before I could buy him a new one, no questions asked, just get the fuck away from me. After six hours of being dismissed by people like I was some sort of peon servant, this makes my blood boil. On any other day, I would have just said, all right, it's gonna buy you a new one and walk away. This time I don't, I just stare, burning a hole through him as he tries to make sense of the mess. He takes a napkin and places it on the lake of Sprite. With that, he splashes some soda onto my jacket. For that ever so brief moment, my brain and my body go into a complete disconnect. Before I can even process that he splashed his drink on me, I hear a loud thud that echoes through the restaurant. This startles the people sitting at the table in front of me. I look down at my right hand, and it's in a ball, shaking. The man clutches his stomach and keels over. I threw a clean shot just between his hip and his ribcage. He's in good shape, his stomach as hard as a rock. My hand already begins to throb. Well, doorman, you wanted your fight, and now you've got it. If he had done the same to me, it would have felt like he was trying to put his fist through a Ziploc bag full of mayonnaise. Still, chiseled abs and all, I blasted him hard enough to where he dropped the napkin and hunched over. The wind knocked out of him. My mind and body quickly sink back up and, I have no fucking idea why, the voice of Dave Chappelle enters my head. Put up your fists! He looks at me, stunned. I step back. <coughs> Did you just fucking punch me in the stomach? Dave Chappelle screams. Scare him, doorman! Uh, yeah, and I'll fucking kill you! God damn it. How the hell do people do this shit? 
He's a full head taller than me. But in that moment, it seems like he grew another foot. Oh my god, he's going to hit me back. At this point, everyone at Chipotle is focused on us. I know it, and he knows it. He has fire in his eyes. He wants to hit me. I can see phones start to come out out of the corner of my eye. Praying that he doesn't have any interest in a rumble with some doorman in the middle of Chipotle, I keep yelling. I said I was sorry, you fucking asshole. You didn't have to fucking talk to me like that. Still with my fists up, like Leonardo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York, I see the impulse of hitting me passing him. Just, just get the fuck away from me, fat ass. Fat ass? Okay, that did sting a little bit. Fuck you, I say, as I turn to walk out. Unlike before, as I walk through the crowd at Chipotle, I keep my eyes up. People in the restaurant put their phones away and avoid eye contact with me. As I turn the corner of the glass window, I see him sitting down at a booth. We make eye contact. Then, bizarrely, he smiles at me. Almost like he's turned on by the whole ordeal. Now, I'm not sure if it's a mindfuck, because I blow kisses at screaming taxi drivers to antagonize them all the time, but I can't help myself. Confusing as it is, I also feel it. I smile back, then give him the finger. On the walk back, a thousand thoughts race through my head. My adrenaline pumps so fast that I feel like I can run to Long Island and back before my lunch break is over. All I can think about are those times where I would listen to my old man and brothers talk about bar fights over dinner, like triumphant war stories while I twirled my spaghetti and waited for them to move on so I could finally start talking again. Now, I get it. The feeling of remorse for assaulting someone is being significantly trumped by the fact that I just stuck up for myself and proved a point by using my fist. Like a fucking man would. I get back to work all fired up, telling all the guys what happened. They think it's hysterical, because all of my stories usually end with me being humiliated and coming out the loser. I get to the break room and eat every last savory crumb of my burrito bowl, because I want to prove to myself that I wouldn't let his fat ass comment get to me, even though the incident had completely ruined my appetite. If that isn't dysfunctional eating, I really don't know what is. Even as I weigh the pros and cons of resorting to violence, I can't shake the feeling that this incident, as wrong as it is, feels intoxicating. In the bowels of my soul, I could feel a little dragon slither to the surface. He winks, lifts his claw in front of my face, and gestures to come hither, then flies away. It took getting out of the job and years of therapy to understand what had become of me during that time. Years of unchecked toxicity was being vomited out onto the street, unloaded on anyone who was unfortunate enough to get in my way. My anger had not only consumed me, but it defined who I was. I continued to write these stories. While I did, I went to work actively looking for a fight, and I got into one almost every single day. I was starved for material, because my readers couldn't get enough of it. They loved me. I provided a voice to countless hotel employees who would only dream of saying and doing half the shit I was doing on a daily basis. I felt validated. I was a writer. 
I was abused and bullied for most of my life. Severely. It was a huge part of my identity. It still is. When I was out on the street, doormanning, squeezing people for money, getting into fights, hustling, making sure no one fucked with me or my little strip of sidewalk, the feeling of finally sticking up for myself had become intoxicating. I became the guy that took no shit. The guy with the short fuse. People were afraid of me. But I had followers who adored me. Who were thirsty for more stories. And I had to appease them. For the first time in my life, people thought I was tough. So I became more disruptive. I picked more fights. I was, slowly but surely, becoming the bully. Thanks for listening to season one of The Doorman. If you like what you heard, you can watch the five-episode Doorman web series and its sequel season, Flyering, at chrisrussellactor.com. Till next time, I'm Chris Russell.